0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's really good to uh, be able to share this service today with you. And uh, look, I was rather intrigued about the um, reference to Narra Court this morning. Um, Joe and I lived at Narra Court for a number of years. And uh, as a boy, I lived at Narra Court. And I see that uh, the Beecrofts are here today from Narra Court, who um, happen to be the parents of Emma. I've never met you before, Emma, but I know your parents rather well. Could tell some stories about your father in particular, but, uh, <laughs> but so it's really great that wherever we travel, there's a connection we have, uh, a deep connection in Christ, but also a connection by being a part of the community of South Australia, so it's, um, it's great to be with you. So let's just have a quick word of prayer. Father, I ask now that the words of my mouth, And the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable in your sight that your Holy Spirit will continue to speak to us and lead us into truth and understanding, I ask it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach today on the subject of lost and found. And you might have picked up that theme from the story about the lost sheep. But I wonder whether you've ever had a circumstance in your life where something quite precious to you, you've lost it. And uh, in my case... I've had a few, but when I was, um, when I had been married about 18 months, I, um, I was at work in a large office and uh, I realised towards the end of the day that my wedding ring was no longer on my finger. You know, I'd only been married 18 months, you know, so, uh, which was just a few years ago, by the way, just in case you're wondering about the maths. Um, just as a slight aside, Joe and I um, celebrated last January um, was it last January? Sorry. <laughs> the one before, the one before, the 40th wedding anniversary, which you may think, how could that be? How could that possibly be? Well, I got married very young, I just want to stress that. I married a teenager, I like to say, which is true. But I, so I had this wedding ring, I'd only been married 18 months, and I I realised at the end of the day it was no longer on my finger and I thought, oh, this is just a shocker, you know. And so I went home and and told Joy with a certain amount of fear and trepidation that I'd lost the wedding ring, you know. And uh, I was trying to work out where could it possibly have been. And uh, I realised, well, maybe somehow or other I lost it during the day when I'd been to the, to be blunt, to to the ablutions, the toilet at work, you see. So I rang up the caretaker the next day and I said, look, it's probably a long shot, but um, if someone hands in a wedding ring, um, then it could well be mine. Now, there's eight, there were 800 people in this office where I worked, eight-storey building, and uh, the next day he rang me up and he said, you're a very lucky man, he said, because the cleaners, when they were searching through all the paper towels, they found the wedding ring, and here it is today on my finger. So I was extremely relieved that what was a precious thing that had been lost had been found. Yeah. And maybe you know, for yourselves you've had something precious that you've lost and the relief, the absolute relief you get and even the joy you get. And I was pretty thankful, I've got to tell you. when I've actually lost this ring a few times but it's still <laughs> on my finger today. <laughs> Jesus had a lot to say about things which were lost and became found again. And in the parable of the, that was read to us before in Luke chapter 15, it talks about the lost sheep. And there's another parable in there which talks about a lost coin. And then there's a third parable that talks about a lost son. So I just want to quickly touch on those three parables today because I think they have something to say for us here today in, in Mitcham Hills. Firstly, about the lost sheep. Now, I don't know if whether you, you noticed that story, but you have this strange arrangement where this, The person who's out there looking after the sheep realises that they've got a a hundred sheep and then they find out that of the hundred, one has gone missing. And, uh, and, And Jesus said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And you know, I've often heard that story, but then I was thinking about it the other day. Well, look, if you've got ninety-nine sheep and you lose one, that's only one percent. Right. And they're in the open country. Now the open country implies that they're vulnerable to attacks, and there were animals that that would attack sheep, you know, there were there were wolves and other animals which would attack sheep. And yet here's this bloke who he leaves the ninety-nine to chase after only one per cent leaving the 99 potentially exposed, but he was so concerned about this missing sheep that he goes off and searches for it. So it doesn't really sound very logical or very sensible. It sounds a little bit extreme, that to leave the 99 and chase after the one. And I was thinking about this and I think, well, actually, God goes to rather extreme lengths to find the lost, to find the lost. And God has gone after extreme lengths to find you and I. We were we were, the one of the, we were the one who was lost, and God has spared nothing to find us in His Son Jesus, and we've sung about that today. Jesus talked about in John chapter ten that I am the good shepherd, and then He goes on to say the good shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. Now, it's fair to say that people probably expected shepherds to, in the time of um, in the biblical times to work pretty hard and to be pretty diligent about their job but I don't think too many people expected a shepherd to lay down their life for a sheep. Normally you expect a shepherd to come home the next day. You, know? you didn't expect a shepherd to die on the job. You know, I know people expect to try and work hard and be diligent and do the right thing by the employer but, but to actually die on the job, that wasn't really expected. Right? You with me, folks? You with me? We, we expect people to come back safe. You know. And even though we have a very strong emphasis on occupational health and safety, I'm sure back then people were expected to still not die on the job. And yet here's Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. God goes to extraordinary lengths to find the lost, to find the lost sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. We have another parable here about the lost coin. And in this particular case, a woman's got 10 coins. And uh, 10 silver coins. So each silver coin was worth about a day's wages. So, you know, a reasonably significant coin. She loses it. And, and, and in, the, in Luke 15, Jesus said, Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? So houses in those days were a little bit different to our houses. They didn't have nice, you know, tiled floors and... and uh, Plenty of light that comes through. These were, these were houses which had very few windows. So they probably had an earthen floor. And so if you lost something on the ground, it was a bit of a big task to try and find it. Yet because this coin was so precious, the woman went to a lot of effort to try and find it. She searched carefully and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours and says, Rejoice with me, I have, found, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. God's heart is for the lost. And don't think for a moment, that's just the bad people, somewhere in society you do terrible things. We can get very smug sometimes, and we, we, we make these comparisons, and we think, well actually I'm not so bad, and we listen to the news, and we, we hear about pedophiles, and we read about serial killers, and, and we think, oh they're, they're terrible people. Know, and we're slightly better than that. And, you know, we don't deliberately necessarily go out and break the law. Although perhaps some people don't declare their full taxable income. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there today. And <laughs> some people might have possibly broken the law travelling here today with ex- slightly excessive speed. Not, not that Michael Beecroft would have done that, but I'm just thinking about the past when he possibly had gone to gone a little bit quick with his travels. But you know, I don't want folk for a moment to think, for a moment to think that. Oh, there's these terrible people and they're the lost. Folks, we're part of the lost. Our failings and our faults in God's sight are just as serious and just as drastic as anyone else. Don't get smug. Don't don't think that we're better than other people. The Bible says that the human heart is sick and wicked and beyond cure. It's not just those bad people out there who need to be saved, who are lost. We're part of that. And deep down, I think we know in our heart of hearts that, boy, we've got some issues with ourselves. And we need to be rescued. And we need to be found. And God is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. God seeks and saves those who are lost, and that includes you and I in this room today, and includes people who are outside this room today, and people who are dear to our hearts. But God's heart is to reach out for the lost. And God goes to extraordinary lengths to try and find those who are lost. The third parable is the parable of the lost son. And many of you are very familiar with this story about this, this young son. Had, there was a father who had two brothers and the younger one decided that he'd had enough of working in the family property. And he went to his father and he asked for his share of the inheritance. And uh, he wanted to go off and do his own thing. And we often think about this young son as being the lost son. And he was lost. And he went off with, the, with and worked out he, the way the inheritance system worked was that the older brother would get two-thirds and the younger brother would get one-third. So he got one-third of the, of the property and all the uh, inheritance. And he went off. And the Bible talks about the fact that he, he wasted the money in, in loose living, as King James Version says. And eventually he ran out of money, he ran out of friends, and he ended up, um, working, looking after some pigs, which in the Jewish context, have got to tell you folks, looking after pigs, that's getting down to the lowest of the low. That was a really grim situation. And he comes to his senses and he thinks, well, look, back home. You know, I could go back home and beg my father to come, take me back just, just as a hired servant because I know that I've, I've blown it. And he comes to his senses and he starts to travel back home. The Bible says that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And I sort of had this picture of, and it's probably a little bit um, incorrect, but of, of the father sitting on this veranda, equivalent of veranda, and gazing out in the evening and seeing this figure from a distance. And one thing, I wonder who that is out there. And then realizing. With great joy that it's it's my youngest son who was lost. He was gone. Now the, the father could have had two responses. He could have quite rightly sat on that veranda with his arms folded and said, Oh, I'm just gonna wait for him to come groveling back, groveling back to me, because he has blown his inheritance and he and, he, and, and he's really, you know, he's a loser, and you shouldn't, and I'm just gonna wait for him to come begging back. But no, the Bible says that he jumped up. And he ran. Now it wasn't culturally the thing to do for a father to go running towards his son like that but he got up and he ran towards his, fa- to his son and he embraced him. Why did he do that? Because his heart was for his son and his son had come back home. Our heavenly father's like that, folks. When we, when we come to our senses, when we realise that we're lost, we realise that you know, we can't do anything else ourselves, we've come to the end of our tether And we start to turn. And we start to turn towards God. He comes running towards us and he embraces us. And he calls us back home. That's the nature of God. God is in the business of finding the lost. And often, you know, we talk about the lost son. But there were two lost sons, can I tell you? Because the older brother... He didn't react very well to this young one coming back and particularly about the fuss being made to the younger son. And I I just want to read a couple of verses about the older brother. And uh, meanwhile, the older son was in the house because there was a lot of rejoicing and there was a party being held because the young son had come home and the father was going to celebrate. The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called out to one of the servants and said, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. And you think, what what was the reaction to the older brother here? You beauty, My my brother's come back. Fantastic. I was just hoping he'd return. No, no. The older brother became angry. He became angry. He refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered, Look, I always think you know when you read this, you could just hear the anger and, and the frustration in this, in this man's voice. He says, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Slaving. And never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, he didn't even call him my brother. He says, when the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. The older brother was also lost. He didn't have an intimate relationship with his father. He talked about slaving for all these years. He couldn't rejoice when the young one had returned. He had some major issues himself. The father says, My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. You know, Of those three parables there's some really interesting thing and that is that in the case of the lost sheep the owner goes out to try and find the missing sheep. In the case of the lost coin the woman searches high and low trying to find the lost coin. But do you know in the story of the prodigal son as we often call it do you notice that no one actually went out searching for the young son? Now, under the Jewish culture, the older brother should have gone searching for the young son. But no, he was back home angry, slaving, as he called it, for his father. He wasn't in a great place. But under the culture of the time, the older brother should have gone to his father and said, I'm going to go searching for my young brother. I'm going to go and search for him and bring him back home because that was his obligation. That is what he was supposed to do. But in this story, he never did. He did not go searching for the lost son. (coughs) But do you know what the good news is, folks? The good news is that we have an older brother. Jesus is our older brother. And he has gone searching for us. And he has held nothing back. And we sang about the cross today. We sang about the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. Jesus is our elder brother who goes to the far country looking for you and I, looking to return us back to the Father. We have an elder brother. So the good news today is that God in Jesus Christ is our elder brother. Goes to the far country. Rescues us. And brings us back home. God's in the business of finding the lost and saving the lost. And includes you and I. Amen? Amen. Can I hear a bit of an amen today? Amen. Amen? We have an elder brother who has held nothing back. Nothing back to find us. It's great news. Great news. I want to add today a fourth story about something lost. And I'm calling it The Lost Ring. I'm just bringing it in there today. <laughs> last, um, a few, la- late last year, my son, Jonathan, got married. And it was a wonderful day. And uh, we were, the, the wedding was in a, um, was in a uh, vineyard up in the Adelaide Hills, Sinclair's Gully. And it was a fairly rustic setting. And it was outside... And the bridal party was standing on a timber decking. And the celebrant um, was performing the ceremony and he had a little book like this with his notes and he asked for the ring. Could I have the rings please? And the rings got handed over. And uh, as he was talking, and I'm sitting pretty close to the action here, um, he tipped up the book the old story, tipped up the book and the re- the, 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 way, the bride's ring slid down and you wouldn't believe it but there were these gaps in this timber decking. <laughs> Didn't make a sound. Straight down through the gap. And this is a bit more than a parable because I've got a photograph of it and I just want to show you up here. And uh, <laughs> I don't know... I don't know whether you can recognise the celebrant at the wedding. (laughs) Looks remarkably like Craig Bailey. I don't know how that plays. I don't know what's going on. Straight down. And there was just this stunned, you know, and and I don't, Craig probably was praying, he was just thinking, how could this happen? and in response to this, you know, it's interesting when these things happen, you know, because there was just a stunned, <gasps> like this. And without any communication or collusion, myself as the father of the, of the groom, that's my son there, and a chap called Darren, who's related to Chantelle, we both just spontaneously got up and ran around And went in, and this decking was not sort of six metres up in the air. It was about this high off the ground. And so we crawled in. We didn't talk to each other. We had our wedding gear on. I was wearing this nice white linen jacket that (laughs) Joy had specially got for me. And uh, we just crawled straight in, straight in. And I put my torchlight on. And it was full of all this debris because all the stuff had collected over the years and, and, and Darren said, we've got to be very careful here because it could just, we, we might end up burying it. So we, we had the torch on and we we're trying to find the ring. I could hear, we were underneath there, right? And everyone out here was talking about plan B, can we get another ring, you know, and can the service continue? And it felt like about 10 minutes. It was probably only about two minutes when Darren found the, the ring. It was Chantel's grandmother's ring. It was a really... <laughs> <laughs> the ring was found, and we came round and looked for Darren. It was he was just he was, was the best day of his life. He was holding his ring. You know? And as I walked past the owner of the vineyard, said, "Oh, well done." He said, "Yeah, it's happened a few times before." And I think, it, you know, <laughs> But can I say, despite the fact that Craig was extremely relieved and some of most of the wedding parties, the interesting thing about that was that, that, and I'm not saying this about me because, but because my heart was in this wedding and Darren, we did not think first anything about diving in under that decking. There could have been snakes in there. There could have been redbacks, you know, and we had all this fine wedding gear on. We just barreled in to try and find this precious thing that was lost, right? And we went to the depths of of the debris in there to try and find this precious lost ring. And I just want to remind everyone here today and those who are listening on the podcast that Jesus goes into the very depths of humanity to purchase our freedom and our salvation. The Son of God, the Lamb of God gave himself for the whole world and he spared nothing. And he became, a, and, and the Father sent this, this little baby into the world. Jesus emptied himself of everything but love and did everything possible to purchase our salvation because he wanted to find this precious thing that was lost, humanity. So today, in the midst of a lot of turmoil in the world and a lot of uncertainty, can I just remind everyone that we have a loving God who reaches out to the lost and even today is reaching out to the lost He wants to find us and rescue us and bring us back into his family.